Welcome to the Social Dallas Podcast. Today you'll hear an uplifting message. Our hope is that your relationship with God would flourish like never before. I have a special treat for you. If you've been with Social for any time now, you know that um, I don't take the preaching of the Word of God lightly. Um, I, I take it very seriously when I'm preaching, and I take it very seriously who I have come to stand on this stage and declare the Word of God to you today, and today you're in for a treat. He's not a stranger to the social family, but I want to give you some backdrop on why today is significant and he's preaching. Because in 2016, I went to North Carolina to preach at a youth conference called Flood Conference and met this crazy, radical, he's like Red Bull personified. I watched this youth pastor with 400 plus kids at this youth conference that just was killing it, powerful presence, and he's preaching. And I got finished preaching. It was my first time meeting him. And I got back to the hotel. My dad was traveling with me, my Nigerian dad. And I swear before you, I said to my dad, I said, I'm supposed to do something with him one day. How many know sometimes your spirit knows things that your mind doesn't even know yet? I said, I'm supposed to do something with him. Of course, my Nigerian dad said, so you just met him. I said, I know, but I'm supposed to do something with him. And over the years, I developed a friendship with him and then... When Pastor Taylor and I took our sabbatical in July just to be refreshed. He was one of the voices that preached. His name is Manny Arango. And when he was here in July, I said to him what I say to everybody that comes to Dallas. You know God's calling you to Dallas, right? You know you're supposed to come to the country of Texas and be a part of social. And I said that to him. He said, you know, my wife actually loves Dallas. When he said that, I said, oh, it's a wrap now. But I still didn't believe it. I said, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Well, sure enough, a couple of weeks ago, I get a text from Pastor Manny Arango. And you know how you read people's texts in the way that they talk. And I get this text. It said, yo, Pastor Rob, it's happening. I said, what? I'm moving. I'm here. I text back, yeah, right. He's like, no, here's the house. I closed on January 20th. I'm moving to Dallas, Texas. Social's going to be my home. I said, send a picture of the contract. Let me see, let me see. <laughs> and he sure enough is moving. Manny Arango, Pastor Manny Arango, if you do not know, is one of the greatest voices God is raising up to speak to our generation. He is the incredible hybrid gift of a biblical sound doctrine, but also an easy comical style. He is a theologian working on his doctorate right now. Uh, if you've heard, many of you have been familiar with his armor courses, just helping a generation understand how to read the Bible, how to study the Bible. We got some stuff we're cooking that you don't even know yet that's about to take social to a whole nother level. We're going to be the most biblically literate church in Dallas Forward. I'm just telling you right now. So it is my honor and my privilege today to bring Pastor Manny Arango, not as a guest, but as a resident of Dallas, Texas, and a part of the social family. Would you make some noise for Pastor Manny? Right, come on, social, make him feel welcome. Any worshipers in the building, come on. God, we love you. Nobody like you. Oh God, 
grateful to the Lord in the room. Hallelujah. I was uh, on the side of the stage just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and got reminded of this one woman. We call her the woman with the issue of blood. She's in a crowd of people, and there's a lot of people touching Jesus, but only one woman stretching her arm out to reach Jesus. And she finally reaches Jesus, and the Bible says that at that moment, she's healed. Her issue is, is completely dissolved. And I wonder if there's anybody who doesn't just want to touch heaven today, but is willing to reach up and say, Lord, I will stretch my arms out to you because if I get a touch from you, everything in my life will transform everything about me. You can cure anxiety. You can fix depression. God, if I get a touch, I don't need a guest speaker. Oh, no. I need the Holy Ghost. I need you to make my, I need you to get the chemicals in my mind right. I, I need you to bring some function into my dysfunction. Anybody believing for a physical healing? Come on, God. Right now we declare the power of the Holy Ghost is in this room to heal and set free and deliver. Come on, we curse every form of sickness and disease from the front to the back, from the left to the right, from the least to the greatest. It's funny, I've preached on this woman for a long time and I was on the side and referencing her as this woman who suffered for 12 years. She suffered for 12 years. Come on, we know her as this suffering woman. As Michelle was leading worship, I stood on the side and the Holy Spirit said, you know her as the suffering woman, but I know her as the surviving woman. Oh, come on. A diagnosis that should have took her out in the first year of bleeding. Somehow, miraculously, she made it into year two. And a disease that should have killed her in the first two to three years, she made it into year four. And for other people, they would have died from her condition in the first five years, but she made it into year six. She shouldn't have made it a decade, but she made it into year 11 and made it into year 12. Oh, baby, you may not have to walk, but you're still here. You're still alive and breathing. Can we give God a praise for keeping you? tell you, oh, if you can just make it in the year 12. Little do you know, Jesus is going to walk through your town, and if you've got enough faith to reach out and access it by faith, the thing that you've wanted for 12 years. Oh, come on, some of you, you're thinking, why did I suffer for so long? You survived for so long. So that you can finally get to a place where God can heal you, because he doesn't just want you to have a testimony of healing. He wants you to have a testimony of sustaining power through oblique circumstances and a testimony of healing. So God, we pray right now that you would speak today in a clear, precise, 
and powerful way. We thank you that your presence is in the room. God, we thank you that the stage has already been set for you to speak. God, pierce through darkness today. For the person in the room who doesn't know you, God, we ask that by the end of this service, they'd be raising up their hands to receive you as their Lord and Savior. For the marriage that's on the rocks, God, speak to the husband and the wife who's in service today. God, for the person who feels like they're about to throw in the towel, for the suicidal person watching online, be their lifeline today, God. You are the I am that I am. You can be peace for somebody here at the front of the room and provision for somebody else at the back of the room. So we release you to be what only you can be. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said together, amen, 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 amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise, church. We seal it with a praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You can grab a seat. Man, I'm so excited to be at Social Dallas on a packed Sunday. In the middle of worship, we're just putting out extra chairs. Like the Holy Ghost is here. And uh, man, worship was phenomenal. Anybody grateful for Pastors Robert and Taylor Madhu? Oh, man. I am a family now. You're stuck with me. Uh, and. Uh, in 2016, Pastor Robert did come to North Carolina and preached at our youth conference. And I remember 400 students being in the room, but he preached like there were 10,000 people in the room. And uh, I have been a, a fan. I've been a, a student. I've been a little brother from afar from a long time. And I am so grateful for your life of discipline and integrity, for the life of faith that you have, for your marriage. Man, you have been a mentor, a big brother to me, and now I get to call you my pastor, so that's awesome. And man, are anybody in the room, come on, grateful for Pastor Robert and Taylor Madhu. Come on, nobody like the two of you. Come on, let's honor our leaders. We love you, we love you. Um, this would not be possible or happening without every secret sacrifice, everything that you've prayed for in private, we're believing that God's going to reward it in public. And so I'm so glad to be here. So glad to be here. Anybody ready for the word today? Come on. Anybody ready for the word? Come on. Grab a Bible. Let's go. Uh, my wife is probably streaming this service. So let's throw up a picture of my wife. Come on. Is there a picture of my girl? There we go. That's my girl. I love her. We've been married for almost eight years. And woo, that's my hot chocolate mamacita right there. Mm. Hashtag black girl magic. Okay. Come on. Come on. Come on. If you don't know about the magic, you got to find out. You got to find out. The magic is real. The magic is real. Um, come on, grab your Bible. Grab your Bible. Go to Matthew chapter 14. It's funny, Pastor Robert. You know, we were at the wonder at the Windspear, and, you know, my wife just exudes this black girl magic until that snow started falling. When the snow started falling, she was like, my hair is straight. Uh-uh. She got a head covering. I was like, the black girl magic is real until there's a little bit of moisture on the hair, and then... The black girl magic is kind of susceptible to fake snow falling from the windspear. 
But uh, come on, let's go to Matthew chapter 14. Come on, I got ADHD. I need you to help me stay on track, okay? Come on, Matthew chapter 14. I think the Lord's going to speak today. Come on, let's read this together. If there's a portion of scripture that I do not read, that means it is your turn to read what I don't read, okay? So we're going to do fill in the blank today. I don't want you to just be a spectator, but a participator. So we're going to start reading at verse 22. And if there's a word I don't say, you've got to say it. The verses are up on the screen behind me. It says this, uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the and go ahead of him to the other while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, uh, but the boat was already a considerable distance from? Come on, everybody. From? Good. Buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the? No big deal, you know what I'm saying? Jesus got, got stranded. He, he don't have a boat. And he's just like, oh, no big deal. I can just walk on water, okay? Jesus walks out on the water. Get this, verse 26. When the disciples saw walking on the? They were? Isn't it crazy? How you can be on the precipice of experiencing a miracle from God and be terrified. Okay, come on, come on. I came to preach to everybody who fear makes you think you got to rebuke a demon. Baby, fear is not only the response when there's a demonic influence or when the devil's involved. If you have been trained to always feel fear and assume that it's the devil making you afraid, then you need Matthew chapter 14 because it could be possible that you are so unfamiliar with the miraculous power of God that when God steps into your circumstances, Stance, you feel afraid. You can be so rigid and inflexible, stuck in tradition, stuck in religion, stuck in a routine, that when God starts doing things that are spontaneous and outside of your expectations or outside of your timeline, that you can be, come on, terrified. And you have to begin to ask yourself, am I scared because the devil's in this? Or am I scared because God is on the move? Am I scared because God's doing something that I didn't expect? Am I scared because God is about to do something that I've never seen? Come on, that eye has not seen, that ear has not heard. Every single time you're scared is not a moment to rebuke fear. Sometimes you're scared because God is doing something very, very unfamiliar. Come on, we just reading, we just reading. Let's go, let's go. Terrified, uh, and it says this, it's a ghost, they said. That's Judas. <laughs> Judas, what you know. <laughs> it's a ghost, they said, uh, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take, take. Don't be mad at the people who did not encourage you. Don't, don't live wounded because of the people who discouraged you. But come on, your courage is your responsibility. Come on, take courage. I hope that after 21 days of prayer and fasting, come on, you're going to what? Take some courage. Come on, that worship, what we do here is a moment where you can take some courage. Okay, we just read it. Come on, let's keep going. Don't be afraid, it is I. Verse 28, Lord, if it's, Peter replied, tell 
to come to on the water. This don't make no kind of sense. Lord, if it's tell to come to on the water. This don't make no, this don't make no kind of sense. I don't know if you've ever like signed up for one of these websites where you need to establish a security question. No, nobody? Okay. Security questions are the bane of my existence. I despise security questions. Anybody, you, you, at the time of creating the answers for the security question, you already know, in three months, I'm not going to remember this. I'm not going to. First of all, the security questions are always something ridiculous. What is your paternal grandmama's uncle's last name? I don't know. Where was you and your wife's 15th date? I don't know. You know, these security questions are always like, I don't even know. I, first of all, there's 15 options. I don't know the answers to three of them. Let alone, am I going to remember these answers? And then, I don't know if this is case sensitive. Like, I'm, I now I'm a stuck on it three months later. I, and I'm thinking to myself, now what is the honest answer? I really don't know. Think about it. Peter is giving Jesus a security question. Hey, Jesus. Think about it. They're in the boat. Jesus. Is that you? Because Judas over here think it's a ghost. Yo, Peter. It's me. Okay, for real? If it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Don't make no kind of sense. You want to know what a better security question would have been? If it's you, what did we eat for breakfast yesterday? <laughs> There's all kinds of security questions that Peter could have asked Jesus. Come on, let's not act like if this was you and Jesus. Can we, can, we, can we replay what you and Jesus' conversation probably would have been like? Yo, Jesus! That you? Yeah, Alyssa, it's me. If it's you, get me a new job. If that's you, have him break up with me because I'm too scared to break up with him. If it's you, hook me up. Like, come on. How often do we make the security question make Jesus have to jump through hoops to prove who he is in your life? Peter has been walking with Jesus long enough to know one thing. If it's him, he's going to demand that I stretch out of my comfort zone. If it's him, he's not going to allow me to remain in dysfunction. If it's him, he's going to make me use my faith. If it's him, he's not content to let me spectate the miracle. He wants me to participate in the miracle. He wants me to walk on fear like he's walked on fear. He wants me to walk over insecurity like he's walked on insecurity. Come on. He wants me to walk over financial lack just like he walks on the water of financial lack. Your security question says more about you than it says about Jesus. It reveals what you think about him. Is he your genie? Uh-oh. Or your God? 
Because if he's your God, then the pressure is now on you to follow. The pressure is on you to use faith. The pressure is on, come on, you to stretch out. See, I love this. I love this. I love this. Because, you know, Peter, they're having a conversation. Oh, I didn't even get into this in the first service. Because, come on, faith, come on, starts by being fluent in the language of faith. So before Peter can ever, come on, walk on water, he first has to get fluent. He has to have a conversation. That's why it's important that you're in church. That's why it's important that all your friends ain't heathens. That's why it's important that you get social here. That's why it's important that you join a volunteer team. Because the first time you go to another country, you need somebody in that country to speak the language to you so that your ears become familiar with the language that you are not conceptually familiar with. Baby, when you stepped in here, everybody on this stage started speaking the language of faith, not doubt. The language of faith, not of reality. The language of faith. If you are going to walk by faith, you're first going to have to, come on, talk by faith. I am the head and not the tail. Oh, come on. I am above only and never beneath. Come on. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Oh, come on. Greater is he that is in me than he that's within the world. Come on. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I love that. It starts as a conversation. Just a conversation. When I was a youth pastor, the students in my youth ministry, I'd go up to them and be like, are y'all dating? You know. Great youth pastor question. Now, I see y'all together every week. Y'all dating? And kids would look at me and say, no, we just talking. And I'd look back and I'd say, guess what? There's no such thing as just talking. Just is not the word we put in front of talking. Even the serpent was just talking. Talking is the most intimate thing you could do. The Bible never says that Samson and Delilah had sex. You know what it says they did? They shared secrets, not sex. If you are going to change your life, you're going to have to change your words. And you're going to have to change the people who you let sow seeds into the soil of your ears and your soul and your heart. Oh, come on. I got ADHD. Come on. We got to keep moving. You're learning something today. You're learning something today. Come on. It's me, Pete. For real. If it's you, then that means the pressure is on me. I've got to do something I've never done. Get this. I have to get out of a boat that's not broken. For some of us, the only boats you've ever left God's got to break the boat to get you to get out of it. He doesn't want to be your lifeguard. He wants to be the one who teaches you to walk on water. Oh, baby, he doesn't just want to be your savior. He wants to be your Lord. And if he's going to be your Lord, then you're going to have to learn how to walk out before it breaks down. You're going to have to learn how to step out in faith before it's a disaster. For some of you, 
You're confused as to why God is saying stretch out and start that business and leave your direct deposit. God is saying stretch out. I can remember the first time the Holy Spirit really spoke to me and my wife about stretching out. He used the passage in Isaiah that Pastor Robert preached on last week. Stretch out your tent pegs. Come on, enlarge the place of your dwelling. At the time, me and my wife were struggling with infertility. It took years for us to get pregnant. We, we just were not getting pregnant. And I remember being in a doctor's office and the doctor telling us that it was going to be impossible for us to have a child. And I grabbed my wife's hand and I said, I got a crazy idea. She said, you're a preacher. You always got crazy ideas. I said, the Lord is really convicting me because we've been praying. We've been praying for a year. We've been praying for two years. We've been praying for three years. And I'm in my prayer closet, and the Holy Spirit says, if you're really serious about having a child, why do you still live in an 800-square-foot apartment? If you want new wine, were you here last week? Come on. If you want new wine, you better go find some wineskins. Because the wineskins are your responsibility. The wine is his responsibility. And new wine doesn't start pouring until you provide a new wineskin for it to go into. God doesn't create birds and then go, uh-oh, I ain't got no sky. God doesn't create whales and fish and dolphins and then go, uh-oh, forgot to create the water. No, God is a God of order. He moves the land and creates the ocean first. He creates the sky first. He creates the dry land first. Then he fills what he forms. If you never form anything, why would God fill anything? God's not wasteful. He's not pouring out wine until you show up with some wine skins. Go borrow pots, not a few. And the pots you have will determine the oil that you get. Baby, if you want wine... You better show up to church every week with some wine skins. You can't bring your old mentality into a new church. And expect that God's going to put new wine in your old wine skins. Come on. So God says, hey, 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 if you really want a kid, why are you still living in an 800 square foot apartment? The apartment wasn't broken. The apartment wasn't broken. It just could not contain the next thing I was believing God for. The boat don't have to be broken. But God has called you to be a water walker. So at some point, you're going to have to abandon things that look totally functional. But you're not looking at it with your natural eye. You've got eyes of faith to see. That's not going to hold the next thing that God is going to do in my life. I need a new wineskin. I need a new package. Forgot to put something into. And so guess what we did? With the same salary we had always had, with the same money, with the same credit score, hello, went and tried to apply for the same loan, Again, was ready for the same response, again. But this time, I didn't just want a home, I needed one. Because it was contingent upon the next thing that God was going to do. 
I remember walking in a 921 Saratoga Drive in Durham. I should have probably said my address. Y'all got a lot of viewers on YouTube. I sold the house, so to the new residents of 921 Saratoga Drive, sorry if anybody shows up to the crib. I remember walking to that house for the very first time, and the Holy Spirit said, you're going to bring your son home from the hospital, and you're going to bring him to this house. Can I tell you something? Sometimes it's not until you stretch out that God does not bring the very thing that you, come on, need. In the middle of worship, they was putting more chairs, and I was walking back with Jamal, and Jamal said, one day we're going to learn to put out all the chairs. And I said, yes, one day you're going to learn to put out all the chairs. Come on, because those chairs are wineskins, and God is pouring new wine. Revival is happening in Dallas. Oh, baby, come on. We've got to stretch out. Every chair represents a soul. Every soul represents a story. Every story represents something new that God wants to do in this region, in this area. Oh, come on. We're stretching out. So me and my wife, get this. We stretch out, and we start walking on water. We're walking on water, walking by faith. We bought a home in faith. I mean, I went and got her a mom car in faith. I got a dad bod in faith. <laughs> we, we're walking by faith, okay? Now I got to lose the dad bod at Orange Theory. <laughs> I'm just playing. We're walking by faith. And can I be real with you? I had the best day of my life and the worst day of my life within days of each other. We're walking by faith. We bought a home. We're, we're, we're making moves because it's one thing to say I have faith, but faith without works is dead. So, God, I've prepared, I've prepared a, a, a home. I've I got new wineskins. I've set the stage. God, I need you to do something miraculous. And the best day of my life was followed by the worst day of my life, the best day of my life. I came home from a preaching trip, and my wife had the news that we were pregnant, miraculously pregnant. And I felt like we were walking on the water. Doctors said this was going to be impossible. But what was impossible with man was possible with God. I couldn't believe that we hadn't gotten pregnant. But shortly thereafter, I remember going in for our first ultrasound. I'll never forget it. It's the worst day of my life. It felt like Job. You know what I'm saying? It felt like Job chapter 1. It's just everything got ripped out from under us. Like the rug got pulled out from under us. We're in our first ultrasound. And I could see it on the nurse's face that something was wrong. And she said, there's no heartbeat. The baby, the, the, the fetus is not alive. And everything in me broke. Have you ever had a day like that? Where all of your hopes, all of your dreams, everything that you had. And, and it took us $20,000 to even get pregnant because we did a very expensive procedure called in vitro fertilization to even get pregnant. So now, like the woman with the issue of blood, I have spent all my money and I've put all my faith and I have done everything I thought to do. I bought a home. I put all my eggs in this basket. I walked by faith. And then like Peter, I'm at the bottom of a lake. And I got a promise for you today that you may sink, but he will never let you drown in your darkest hour. At the time when you need him the most, he's not the God that prevents everything, but he is the God that is present in every problem. He doesn't prevent, but baby, he pre 
sends the Holy Ghost to meet you in your trial and tribulation. We walk by faith. Now we're dealing with a miscarriage. And we know that Peter gets all the way over here because get me like verse 25, I think it is. He was afraid, beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Next slide. Immediately Jesus, I'm just going to say the Manny International Version is stretched out. Okay, come on. Stretched out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, wait, 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 wait. We know that he got to Jesus because by the time he sank, Jesus was there to what? Rescue him. Now, I flew all the way to Dallas to ask you this next question. The Bible says when they climbed back into the boat, how they get back to the boat? I've heard a lot of sermons on the first time Peter walked on the water. I want to preach to you about the second time Peter walked on the water. Oh, baby, it's your comeback season. It's time for you to stretch out again. You did it last year. It didn't work. But there is a second wind that God is about to blow through your life so that you can do it again. Jesus did not give Peter a piggyback ride back to that boat. Jesus did not carry Peter back to that boat. You want to know the hardest thing Jesus could ever say to you? We're going to try this again. Because it's one thing to have faith to get out of a boat. It's a whole other thing altogether to get out of the water when you have failed. See, when you get out of the boat, it's kind of like ignorant faith. You're assuming the best. You are fully optimistic. But the second time Jesus asks you to do something... You are actually scared because you know the reality of what it feels like to sink and fail for your heart to get ripped out. Oh, come on. For some of you, you walked on the water. You have sank. What This, this sinking here, it represents the business failed or the marriage failed or the relationship failed. Some kind of failure happened here, and now you are next to Jesus. You have lost flexibility. And Pastor Robert preached this. Insane message last week on some of us are inflexible because of tradition. Can I add to that? Some of us are inflexible because of trauma. Something traumatic has happened over here. And now you are next to Jesus, but you have no power to walk back to the boat. You are in close pride. You ain't left Jesus. But you're like, I ain't doing that again. Because I know how it feels. To fail in front of people. Jesus, are you asking me to walk? Matthew told me not to get out of the boat. John said, right, you do it first, man, we'll follow. The rest of these fools in the boat laughed at me when I stretched out the first time. Then they thought, oh, okay, I guess it's possible. But then when I sank, they went, we told him. We told him. We had a miscarriage, and then my wife, who's really saved. Can I be real with y'all? I said, I wish we had never gotten pregnant. Why give me the joy of pregnancy for it to only be met with the pain of a miscarriage? 
I wish we had never got pregnant. That was me. Real me. Not Pastor Manny. Just Manny. My wife said, I'm grateful for the eight weeks I got to be pregnant. I've never even been pregnant. So you know what? I'm not going to let the devil rob me of the joy of the eight weeks I got to just be a pregnant woman. You are thinking that we may, I, we, I wish we never got pregnant, but we've never been this far. And God wouldn't bring us this far to only bring us this far. Oh, baby, what you thought was a one-way ticket was a round-trip faith. Oh, God wants to take you back to the boat. God wants you to try it again. And so my wife, she said, hey, I know, hey, ooh, can I be sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Here we go. My wife said, I want to try IVF again. I said, homie, you crazy. And do you have a, do you have $20,000 laying around somewhere that I don't know about? Because last time I checked, we spent all of our money to try IVF. You want to do what again? I never want to experience the pain of going into an ultrasound room and there being no heartbeat ever again. And my trauma made me not flexible to what my wife wanted to do. So here's what I did. Not because I was spiritual, but because I was desperate. I went on a 40-day fast. Just liquids. 40 days. Lost a whole lot of weight. But like Pastor Robert said, come on, fasting is not a diet plan. Throwback from last week. Here we go. And here's what I learned. John's disciples, the Pharisees' disciples, they question Jesus' disciples about fasting. And Jesus says, Pastor preached this last week, come on. They won't fast while the what? Bridegroom is here. What a wedding is, is a time of feasting. So the reason that they could not fast was because they were what? Rejoicing and feasting. But Jesus says what? A time will come when I'm not here. Which means fasting is actually a form of mourning and lamenting. It's the opposite of feasting. It's the opposite of rejoicing. It's not the reception at the wedding. No, no, no. It's mourning a loss. And for most Christians, we are too Pentecostal to even mourn the losses in our life. God called me to a 40-day fast so that I could put a firewall in between the bitterness of the miscarriage and the blessing of my son. And if I, ooh, if I had not put 40 days of fasting to mourn and let the soil lay vacant... I would have brought all of that trauma into the next ultrasound. I would have brought all of that fear and anxiety into the next pregnancy because there's a picture of my son that we're about to show on the screen. He is the cutest little baby. That's my five and a half month old son. Come on, God can do anything. I got myself together. And started walking back to the boat. Because it's one thing to have a miracle one time and sink. You know what God wants? God wants you to get your feelings together. And get your emotions together. And say, God's not done with me. 
This is not how my story ends. I'm going to get back to this boat. Everything I overcame in a previous season, I can overcome it again. What God did before, God can do it again. If he stretched me one time, he'll stretch me again. For so many of us, we're stuck right here. I don't know what this moment of trauma is, but psychologists say that your development stops when there's a traumatic experience. So if there's a traumatic experience when you were 13, for the rest of your life, your emotional capacity is that of a 13-year-old. But this is the year that God is going to mature you and elevate you. This is the year that God is going to restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. This is the year that God is going to stretch you out and begin to give you back the capacity that originally supposed to have been yours, but trauma cut it short. Oh, we're not going to allow trauma to dictate how successful or how impactful for we are for the kingdom oh no that prayer life that you should have developed as a teenager but you started smoking weed instead no 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 this is the year that God gives you back those years and you develop the muscles that you should have developed in a previous season heartbreak and trauma and pain is not going to define you you can't stay stuck here you can't stay stuck here safe on the sidelines Got your faith on cruise control. Won't take risks. Traumatized by your own failures. This is why we can't preach faith without preaching grace. You're saved by grace through faith. Come on. You can't access faith until you forgive yourself. For some of us, you won't walk again because you haven't forgiven yourself for failing the first time. Some of us, come on, we walked on the water and for some of us, that means you lived a pure life sexually. You, you were a born-again virgin, and then, oh, you failed. And now that one failure has gotten you back into a lifestyle that you know is beneath you. And God is going, whoa, 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 hey, hey. Can we do this again? This is the year to believe that you can overcome that temptation again. Your best days are not ahead of you. Your latter will be greater than your former. But get this. There's a difference between walking to Jesus and walking with Jesus. Because on the second round, oh, come on, on the second leg, Peter doesn't walk to Jesus. And Jesus goes, no, 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 not in my pace, my pace, not yours. No, 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 don't move ahead of me. No, 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 I got you, I got you. You don't need to impress me. No, 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 I got this. Come on, step by step. Come on, we got this, we got this. Oh, come on, you're, you got my joy and you got my peace. Come on, you got my presence. Come on, I'm with you. Don't look at them. No, 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 look at me, look at me, look at me. Oh, come on, don't focus on the wind or your feet. No, 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 come on, we're getting back to the boat. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I can't leave you there. No, you're walking with me into your destiny into your purpose into the best season of your life if you're in the room right now and trauma has defined your walk you're skittish you're scared you're reluctant you don't take risks your guards up you're defensive you got church hurt and so you won't volunteer here the last church you was at, the pastor embezzled money so you won't tithe here. Come on. You, 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 you're, 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 
what's supposed to be a faith walk has turned into logic and rationale. And if it doesn't make, if the math doesn't add up, you won't do it. You want to know the testimony of the second time we did IVF? Pastor Robert was at Victory Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Woke up one day to 2,000 random dollars. Looked at my phone, said, there's no way Robert Madu just sent me $2,000. No chance. So I text him. Is this a scam? Is this you? <laughs> Did you send me money? He said, yep, I was walking out to go preach at Victory Conference, and the Holy Spirit said, send Manny $2,000. And then Manny and Vicki Howard, a couple at our church, sent us $4,000. And then Nia Durant, a woman that I knew in Boston, sent me another $2,000. Then Frank DiMazio from Portland, Oregon, sent me $1,500. Before we knew it, we had all the money to do IVF over again and it wasn't by power or by might but it was by his spirit says the Lord God don't tell me what God can't do God can do anything he laughs at your impossibilities what your bank account can't do God can do what your credit score can't do God can do what your degree can't do God can do God can do anything Stretch out your faith and believe him for the impossible. What good is it to be part of a church that's experiencing the miraculous and you not experience the miraculous in your personal life? When you look around this room, clearly God wants you here so that you can be a part of a miracle. This is not normal. If you're in the room and you're at trauma, Sinking has triggered all your trauma responses. And the Holy Spirit's whispering and saying, I want you to do it again. I want you to stretch out again. I want you to do it again. See, this is not the first time Peter did something again. See, he was fishing one night. Didn't catch no fish. And Jesus came up on the boat and said, cast your net out again. See, it's in the first again that you develop the muscles to, to listen to God when he says, again, again. Come on. You did it one time. It didn't work. Even Jesus lays hands on a man. He starts seeing trees. What does Jesus do? Lay hands again. Can I challenge you? Your rationale is telling you you tried it already. But faith is telling you you didn't walk with Jesus when you was doing it. It's different this time. If you're stuck in trauma, but you want to choose faith today, raise your hand. Come on, I want to pray for you. You're stuck in trauma, but you want to walk in faith. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Holy Spirit, we release you to rearrange our thought processes. Every stronghold, every mental stronghold that has kept you bound, every form of emotional trauma that has kept you bound, we declare right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, your mind is free. Your heart is free. And over the next 21 days, God is going to do something miraculous in your life as you devote yourself to him in a brand new way. Do we declare right now, we will not live based on trauma. We curse to its root every lesson that trauma tried to teach us. And we declare right now, we will follow 
Jesus. We would like to thank you for being a part of our social global family. Please head to our website, socialdallas.online and see the many ways you can stay connected with us from around the world.